Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source. Uh, good morning. This is Jay Levine, your host of the Antitrust Law Source podcast, and I'm here with Brett Thornton, one of my partners in the corporate department. Uh, how you doing, Brent? Good, Jay. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so today's topic is cryptocurrency, which um, seems to be all the rage. Um, it's in the news all the time, and I'm not sure many of our listeners know what cryptocurrency is or have you know, sort of an idea of kind of the complexities and issues surrounding that. So we thought we would bring Brent on and explain a little bit about what cryptocurrency is and at least with respect to some of the securities laws, uh, explain some of the complexities because uh, it seems to be a relatively straightforward issue, right, Brent? Well, yeah, right, Nick, or, or the exact opposite. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it, it's an area where there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of uncertainty with respect to how ultimately um, the, the regulators will decide how to treat the entire area and how to treat different you know components of the area. You know, we in anticipation of having this discussion with you because it's all changing so quickly. I went back and and made sure there weren't any recent developments in the way courts and regulators were treating. Um, cryptocurrencies and noted that, in fact, you know, as recently as a month ago, there were some additional important um, announcements and, and uh, decisions made by courts uh, concerning the issue. So I, I think it is important to note that this is a discussion that's really about something that's happening um, as we speak. Uh, and it's uh, more than anything, uh, ho- hopefully what we can do is provide some useful baseline information about some fundamentals that I, I, I think are settled um, with respect to this area and how it works, but with the note, you know, now throughout and at the end that this is an area where anyone that's looking to get involved to make investments in this area or to participate um, in these markets, you know, should be careful, talk to financial tax advisors and lawyers and make sure that they really have a good sense of, of where this is going to stand, how their investment is going to be treated, what rights they'll have, you know, when they affect their investment on that date, because things change so fast, it, it might have changed from the last time they themselves looked, right? Yeah. No, and, and I really want to stress one of those points is that you really should talk to lawyers, yeah, um, especially Brent. Um, but uh, there's there's the shameless plug. But um, let's back up for a second, because um, I, really our objective here in this podcast, I think, is to kind of you know, people hear the terms, and I know it's true for me that you know some of this kind of goes over my head. I don't, I don't really have a framework or a context in which to sort of place the new stories I'm reading or listening to. And hopefully, we can provide some context that you know that our listeners can then use um, moving forward to to kind of understand what a lot of people are talking about. So, as I understand it, cryptocurrency is a is just a is an omnibus term. Is that correct? Yes, there's there's lots of different cryptocurrencies. The ones that everyone has heard of include Bitcoin, probably Ethereum. There's some other high-profile um, cryptocurrencies, um, Ripple, and others. But it is cryptocurrencies applies to the entire universe of, of um, different currencies that have been created, which have different features and which can mm-hmm. work differently and have some in some cases, important legal distinctions between them, but cryptocurrency does. It's a, it's an, as you said, it's an omnibus 
term that covers all of them, uh, and we'll, certainly that's the way we'll use it for purposes of this conversation. Okay, and, and as I understand it, there's sort of a the common denominator, if you will, is it's currency at some level, a medium of exchange that is is essentially utilized through some um, encryption technology um, that people need to sort of use a code or, or figure out the puzzle in order to essentially obtain it or utilize it? Is that? Yeah, and I think that's that applies to certain sorts of cryptocurrencies. I think maybe the term crypto um, has become a name that is used for all of them. I, I'm not sure, and, and I'll be honest with you as a lawyer, I'm not sure technically how each of them works. That mm -hmm. is certainly the way you described it, how some of them work. Okay. Um, you know, and they rely on you know the blockchain and, and verifiability with respect to unique um, identifying um, characteristics or identity for each um, token unit of exchange, so that there can be certainty with respect to transfer and ownership. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll be honest with you, from a technical standpoint, I'm not sure. In every case, it has to do with the um, the, um, uh, the the solving a puzzle or some cryptic key aspect to it. I think there are other, and now I'm just using terms that I, I know from working in the area, but don't know. I think hash graph technology is different. There are there are different ways to um, to establish that uh, that a, a unit of um, transfer in this area is unique and can be transferred, and that someone that owns it can have certainty they own it, and someone that receives it can have certainty that they have received it, um, but it, it's not in all cases, I believe, um, uh, cryptography that, 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 that uh, accomplishes that purpose. Okay, that's fair enough. And, and so cryptocurrency being the, the you know, um, omnibus term for all these sort of mediums of exchange, um, and then you have the technology that facilitates the exchange, the verifiability or whatever, and that would be like blockchain or, you know, um, what was it? Hash, hash graph. Yeah, which important to, to note is that uh, I think people, and what I've come to learn, you know, is that people use blockchain and cryptocurrency almost interchangeably, and that's not necessarily true. There's all right. sorts of uh, utility that um, you know blockchain has uh, in, in lots of different areas. It isn't necessarily tied directly to things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, other cryptocurrencies. Right. That's what I was trying to get at. Thank you. So, so just to put into perspective, cryptocurrency being the sort of omnibus term, the blockchain means the technology, and then there's the bitcoins and the others, which are the 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 actual units that are being used as a medium of exchange. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. So now we sort of have our our terminology correct, and and frankly, I, your your point is well taken that blockchain goes beyond sort of or that type of technology goes beyond what we're really going to be speaking about today. I saw an article that some, you know, uh, some uh, companies or governments are using sort of blockchain technology to help us, you know, cybersecurity or other other types of things. So the, the technology itself may have wider uses. But here we're really going to function on sort of the financial aspects, if you will, the security, commodity, or none of the above type. And so can you give us sort of the 10,000-foot, okay, you, you got this unit of exchange or whatever. What exactly is it? What, what kind of types are theirs? And is this just cash? Is this, you know, a security? Is this 
in uh, art on the wall. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, and I think that's the fundamental question. And I, I am certain there's not a final answer to that question in in a lot of cases, um, because there's different types of currencies that have different types of features, uh, and that are you know, and then there's currencies that are in different stages of development, and there are mm-hmm. there are agreements um, to invest in securities that will uh you know for, for which development um has started but which mm-hmm. um hasn't finished and and there's potentially different answers uh along the the chain along the continuum uh, not just with respect to different types of currencies but um you know what are the uh legal um what are the rules the regulations what laws apply to even a single currency, um, depending on what stage um, the investor comes in and participates in its its creation and then later use and and trading. So, um, you know, that's that's a mouthful, but it's a very it's a it's a complicated um, area. So one thing to look at is I'm sure everyone's heard of ICOs and 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 other people may have heard of SAFT agreements, which is a you know simple agreement for future tokens. So maybe the easiest thing to do is start at the start. And if you are thinking about okay. participating in an ICO or um, entering into a SAFT agreement, you have to think about um, what are the securities law ramifications of that. If you give money to a group, a company that's creating a currency, one thing to think about is, is you know, what's that currency going to do? You know, what is its um, – characterization going to be when it's done and it's created is it going to be simply a um, security token and is you know mm-hmm. the way we de- way you would determine if it's a security token legally there's a test called the howey test and there's several um you know questions in the howey test regarding um whether it's an you know you've made an investment of money uh, if it's an investment in a in a common enterprise um there, there's there's uh, there's four tests but the the easier way to think about it is our um you know the persons that buy the, ter- the tokens are they providing funding for a company capital, and are they going to then benefit through distributions from operations of a company that uh, engages in other activities? Right. Which sounds a lot like uh, a common share. Yeah. yeah. Right. If, if profits are generated by the efforts of the officers and employees of the company, and that's how the token is going to have value, um, then that's om- you know almost certainly a security. Now that's okay. Great. It all of the security laws apply to it, and so if it's a security that was purchased um, without registration, um, the company may, if it complies with the requirements, be able to claim that that security constitutes a, um, a restricted security that was issued uh, in reliance on an exemption from the securities rules. But then the person that holds it probably doesn't have the utility they expected because there's going to be restrictions on their ability to trade it, to sell it, right? It's still going to be a restricted security, and there's going to mm. be legal restrictions on what someone can do with it. And so that's so you should you should know that going in. You should absolutely know that going in, and I don't know that it's always really clear with so many of these going on what exactly the end um, purchaser is going to hold when, when the offering is complete. Um, well, if it's if it's and it's a if it, you know the, the, another agreement is a SAFT agreement and an ICO typically you get a token but it's a it, even if it's going to be utility token right and the idea there is that it's not a security token it's not a token that derives value from the um, underlying efforts of the employees and officers and the operations of the company but it's a token that has um, utility and a value 
independent of any underlying asset. So it's not a security. And that okay. the idea would be that the person holding it would want to characterize it as the possession of a good, right? That, good, that right. something that was purchased that they then could sell and trade that would not be subject to securities laws. And that's it'd be like all... if you oh, yeah, go invested. Ahead. I was going to say is is like if you if if you asked me to invest in your company and I gave you money and in return you gave me a you know a painting. Right. Well, in, in that case, it's you know, there's an investment. It, it it really isn't an investment into the the company with an expectation of return of profits to the company. In that case, the company has sold you yeah. something to generate capital for the company, and then you own the painting, right? And right. what utility does a painting have? You know, it's it's that's <laughs> hard to define. Right? A painting right. might have a different utility to each person. Some people may think it's priceless. Some people may think it's not worth anything at all. And one of the things that's a question that, that we focus on is how much do the regulators want to get involved with determining, you know, what commodities have what utilities to various persons, right? And if the idea right. is it is it is a it is a commodity, it is a good, it's something that someone can legitimately claim has value in and of itself, then you know the 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 legal conclusion may be that it's a good, not subject to the securities laws, and then the person can trade it and exchange it for other currency or goods. And that's when you have the um functionality that I think most people expect to have when they buy a cryptocurrency. That it functions as a currency, that it's something that isn't subject right. to securities laws that they can they can use as payment for other goods or services, or that they can sell for hard government-backed securities, U.S. dollars, euros, etc. Right. Well, let me let me. I think you sort of implied this before, but I, I, maybe I misunderstood. Or, it, you know, can one of these coins, tokens, whatever we want to call it, can it shift between being a utility token and a security token? along the way or is it once it's once once it's classified as x it's x forever well i i think the and that's a that's a good and it's a hard question i don't know if it's as much a difference and this is where i could be challenged if someone listens to this podcast and wants to send us an email um with a clarification i i think something that's a security token is likely a security token the issue mm-hmm. is how would regulators characterize a pre-utility token meaning a token Mm. either given in exchange for funds in an ICO or, or otherwise that is intended to have utility but doesn't at the time it's received. And in right. that case you have a you have a token that is only going to derive value based on the underlying efforts of the persons developing the systems that will ultimately create the utility. And in that case, um I think you're in a real gray area and you'd have to carefully think about whether what you have purchased and what has been sold to you as a utility token is actually a utility token if it actually is a token that has a use or but if it's pre utility meaning it's you know applicable yeah. to a system that isn't built out then i think um you know the most recent guidance is, is that would constitute a security and so what happens right. when it becomes a utility token is it still a security that's a that's a, a question that if anyone has that question <laughs> yeah it's unsettled um, I'm sure we could give guidance, but probably beyond the the, the scope of this uh, conversation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We want to want to make make sure we're being careful here. Yeah, um, of course. And and uh, you know, um, okay. So I, I know I I sort of so you have the security token, you have the ICO, you have the uh, uh, utility token sort of distinction, but there are other things that this may be right. 
Well, yeah, and then that, that gets into, you know, regulation of commodities. And so that's mm-hmm. one thing to think about. Um, I, I have talked to several people who have been approached about entering into what's called a SAFT or a, a simple agreement for future tokens. There's another type of agreement I'm less familiar with called a rate agreement. But essentially, this is um agreement that provides for persons to make an investment and to um you know, uh, pay money over to a company that is in the process of developing tokens, but to not even receive a pre-utility token in exchange. Um, okay. And, and and so the guidance that we have is that the SAFT agreement in and of itself likely constitutes a security. And so it would be difficult for someone, I think, or yeah. in, in my estimation, impossible for someone to to use a SAFT agreement or prior to the issuance of the tokens um, give someone else an interest in the SAFT agreement or the underlying tokens without engaging in a, a transaction of security, you know, yeah. a, a regulated securities transaction. So the question wow. is, though, is then um, what if the SAFT agreement you give money, but what you ultimately receive, you don't receive a pre-utility token that has the characteristics of a security, but you don't receive anything until the token is 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 built Dope out, and, and so right. that constitutes a utility and not a security at that point. I think there is right now an argument that that's the case. Um, the problem is, though, and, and and we have some guidance on this, is that if you have a SAFT agreement that is an agreement where you've paid money in exchange for receiving um, a good in the future, then it is um, likely under the purview of the Commodities Future Trading Commission as a, as a commodity right. futures contract. And um, now I'm certainly not going to get into what the consequences of that are because that's that's certainly more complicated. But I think the important note is is that even if you have a scenario in which you've entered into an agreement um, that will result in the future delivery of a utility token, you're not necessarily out from under all potentially consequential regulatory um, um, regimens because – the Commodities Future Trading Commission has already come out and said that these SAFT agreements have the general contours of a commodities contract and right. therefore subject to regulation. So again, Jay, to get back to your important point, you know, you should definitely uh, talk with a lawyer and make sure you map, <laughs> mapped out the transaction, right? Right, right. Looks like at the beginning, here's what it looks like at the end, here's the entry and the exit, and how are we going to do all this? Um, yeah, appropriately in compliance with all the potential regulations, of which there are many, right? That pretty much covers all our ground and gets back to the point of it. It, it, it is just – it's become such a high-profile thing. Everybody's heard of Bitcoin. People are trading in this stuff, right? And it's – you know, if if one of our clients or someone that listens to this is approached about an investment or the purchase and later use of cryptocurrencies for various purposes, it's – I think the takeaway is it's a complicated area, and it's worth – having a brief discussion with counsel just to make sure that exp- your, the, the persons, the parties to the uh, transaction, that their expectations are consistent with reality and how it will likely play out and that they understand the, the risks of transactions and, and investments in this area. Right, especially the, the risks of uncertainty given, given these transactions, especially different stages of the transactions down the road. Yeah, absolutely, exactly, because as you know, we said at the beginning of this this discussion, right. And as recently as a month ago, there were new important decisions coming out. So it's going to be an area that continues to evolve. It's going to move pretty fast. And so, you know, all of the guidance that we gave, uh, and I won't call it guidance, because it certainly wasn't legal guidance, but all of the things we noted today right. as, as where we understand um, 
the law is on this issue. It could be all completely different three months from now. Right. Um, well, let me ask you, you know, sort of as we as we conclude this. So, you know, clearly the SEC, CFTC would be regulatory agencies kind of involved in developing guidance, making decisions about the use and and um, the transfer and and the like and the and the and the regulation supervision of of these tokens and technology. Are, are there other agencies you're aware of that sort of are going or planning or are in the fray on this as well? Oh, sure. I mean, all over the world, you know, government regulators are looking at this, whatever apparatus they have to address securities and commodities issues. Um, state agencies, the state securities agencies, um, state regulators are going to look at this. And, and the key critical one to think about, we talked a lot about if you're going to engage in this type of transaction, talk to lawyers about what regulations and laws apply, but anyone that's going to be engaging in transactions involving cryptocurrency also has to carefully think about the tax consequences. Um, uh, you know, right. it's, it's it's not always intuitive to someone that, you know, they bought Bitcoin and that it increased in value and they sold it there. I mean, it, there's all – and with a SAFT agreement, an amount was paid for a token at a certain price. And when the token is actually delivered, it's worth, you know, 10x. You know, what are the tax consequences of that, right? And and the tax consequences aren't always the intuitive consequences. And so it's important that persons talk to tax advisors and to tax lawyers um, if they're going to engage in, you know, substantial transactions involving cryptocurrency. So I think it's a great question. The big issue is who else is involved? You know, tax authorities for certain have a huge interest in this area. Right. Would Would Treasury or any of those sort of departments – be involved, or at least not yet. Uh, you know, that's not an area I'm sure they're interested, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, anything that would diminish the control of Treasury and other government agencies here and abroad over the means of exchange and currency used in um, transactions is, is going to be a substantial concern for that type of regular. I, I just don't have a lot of information. My, my focus as a as a lawyer focused on securities and, and, and yeah. uh, financing, capital raising transactions has been more on the CFTC and securities laws. And yeah. Laws. Well, it makes, and it makes sense. I mean, that, that they seem to be the primary agency as well. And, and listen, the, the, this whole area has implications, um, you know, widespread, you know, beyond even the securities and the raising of capital um, issues, including sort of cybersecurity. I mean, this technology facilitates the use and the employment of personal identifiable information, and it's meant to stay there forever, which may have issues with some of the regulations coming out in the U.S. and GDPR. Um, you could have, you know, concerns about people being able to corner or manipulate the market, which can raise SEC and antitrust issues. So there seems to be a whole, you know, sort of alphabet soup, you know, Ish, you know, ray of issues that can uh, that can uh, implicate this area, but uh, but I thank you very much for giving us sort of the the download on the uh, on some of the uh, kind of security issues that uh, folks may be facing, and for putting some of these terms into context that hopefully we now can read and hear these stories with a little bit more um, understanding and familiarity. Yeah, my pleasure, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Sure. Happy to do it. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, this is, I think we'll, we'll stop right here and, uh, this certainly is a, uh, topic for further discussion.
Um, my guest has been Brent Thornton, a, a partner in our corporate department who is, uh, specializes in, uh, in, in issues about uh, raising capital, financing, and, and mergers and acquisitions. Um, I am Jay Levine, co-chair of the Antitrust and Consumer Protection Group. This is uh, your Antitrust Law Source uh, podcast, and uh, stay tuned for our next one. Thanks a lot. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.